everybody. Are we live? We live? Okay, we're live. All right, everyone. Welcome. So today I have a special guest, as always. You know, this show is all about guests. And today we have um, Piaki Lamini. How are you doing, sir? I am good. And yourself, sir? No, I am, I am great. I'm great. You know, it's been a very interesting week in terms of uh, liberty and how far the government will actually go to um, achieve their ends. Yeah. You know, um, we also we saw Aaron's roots. He was in court this week, yeah. and uh, what happened? You know, it, it looks like you got vindicated. Yeah. Um, because I mean, it, I'm not a legal guy, but it seems that um, the the judgment that was made with regards to the flag was that uh, was it rather a declaration or something like that, mm. rather than a one where the, where the judge makes an order saying you must do this or yeah, something like yes, that. Yes. So yeah, man, it's it's, it's been crazy, and then. You know, now the Nelson Mandela Foundation, they, you see what they did now? They, I think they appealed it. I think, yeah, I think I heard something about it. I think also the Human Rights Commission was involved. So that's, that's interesting. I mean, I think it goes to a bigger philosophical point about the importance of free speech. Because this, uh, the, the Equality Court judgment uh, uh, banning the oil flag, it's, uh, it's, going to, it's opened the kind of worms now. So the judges are either going to be tying themselves in knots trying to find the special exceptions and special rules and whatever, and trying to define exactly uh, wh what it means to uh, engage in hate, hate speech by showing a flag, which is basically an impossible task because it's so subjective. So they are either going to be doing that or they, they just have to strike this uh, the, the, the judgment down because I don't think it's workable. I think it will, it, it's, either, it, it's going to destroy, like it, it's, go, it's, go, it's, it's just one more step towards destroying free speech as we know it. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm more or less a free speech uh, abs absolutist, mm. you know, in the sense that, like, sometimes, you know, people will say things that are offensive. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I support what they say, but, sure. you know, we give them the right to express their point of view. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, when the court um, made that ruling initially, I felt that, uh, in my opinion, that they were missing the point completely mm. because they were basing it on emotions rather yeah. than um, the actual facts of, uh, you know, the implications of yeah. the actions. I mean, we saw what happened. I mean, Aaron Sruz was on ENCA, and, I mean, that interview was also fire. <laughs> I didn't see that. I've heard people talking about it, but I haven't seen it yet. Hey, man, it was, it, it was, it was something. It was something, I won't lie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, just, just to get back to it, I think that, you know, based on what Aaron Sruz was saying with regards to... Um, um, the, the appeal. Um, it seems according to him that uh, it was like, it was a nonsense appeal, like as in like they're wasting their time mm -hmm. because I think he's confident that uh, these guys will actually, that they'll actually will win, well, they'll win the whole thing ultimately. I, I, I haven't paid much attention to actually to, uh -huh. the, to this, uh, like, so I don't know the legal issues at play yeah. there, but I just think like uh, from a, a philosophical standpoint that this, the, the equality court judgment was a mistake it's a mistake for free speech in this country. I mean, one of the most interesting things I found is because that uh, uh, countries like Denmark and Ireland and a few others still have uh, blasphemy laws, for example. Whoa! So you, you can't, uh, for example, in Ireland, if you if you if you insult, uh, let's say, the Catholic Church or the Protestant Church, uh -huh. because those are the two main uh, factions fighting against each other in Ireland, then you can actually go to uh, go to jail if you can't pay the fine. So this Jeez. is. It's uh, even in the West. <laughs> wow. Okay, I didn't know that. I actually so didn't it's know, a, it's, yeah. it's 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 interesting because it it shows you that the importance of free speech. Only I think in in the entire world, only the 
the Americans come close to the absolute uh, definition of uh, free speech. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, everyone else just like you know has some special. Like for example, in Germany, you can't support the. The, the, the Nazi party or deny the Holocaust, which are be- both bad things to do, but exactly. like the, for the sake of free speech, people should be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, and going back to the US, um, I think in 2017, they made a ruling saying something like hate speech does not exist, really. That if you look at the First Amendment, mm. it, uh, the, you can't, um, well, the First Amendment doesn't state that, you know, we, uh, hate speech is, ex- is excluded or something or is yeah. not protected yeah. or what. But I mean, I'm I'm glad that there are some countries that are actually going to that to that level because uh, if the because the moment you you know deny free speech, you know what you ultimately are doing is that you are creating a um, you're actually going down a path, a very wicked path. Mm. Where now, if you can't say this, what's stopping them from stopping another thing? What's yeah. stopping them from saying that no, you can't say that yeah. or something else? And then eventually, you can't say anything, and you know now you're gonna speak in code and everything like that. Yeah, it, it yeah. goes to it goes to freedom of thought. That that's, that's what it really goes down to, because if we're saying that certain kinds of speech uh, are not acceptable, what we're really saying is that certain kinds of thought are not acceptable, and so that's uh, if we allow government to get to have that power to dictate to us what we can think, then only bad things can happen. Yeah, no, definitely. So. I, I sometimes wonder if people have really read, like you know, people. Everyone talks about George Orwell, but have they really read him? Because these are the things he was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw a meme on Facebook where um, it, it had a picture of him, and then there was a text that stated, uh, it read, um, "Oh, I called it well," you know, that type of thing. You know, that because if you look at the events that happened mm. in this book called 1984. And we see what's actually happening yeah. now. There's a there's there's a, there's a lot of consistency there. Yeah, no, there's yeah. a. It, it was someone who was in the unique position of having been a communist, a socialist, mm-hmm. and then understanding what that philosophy was all about, and then could critique it from someone who is from the inside. I mean, he fought in the Spanish Civil War, mm-hmm. on the on the pro democracy side or the pro socialist side, and so this is uh, he understands the philosophy, and I mean he's. Two of the books of his I've read, uh, Animal Farm in 1984, they are absolutely brilliant. In their, and I think they probably played the role in converting me as well to uh, to the point where I am now because it just lays it out so clearly and you can see it that, you know, uh, it, no matter how, like, it, it, no matter how things had been done, like, if Animal Farm is sort of uh, explaining, like, how the revolution happens and what happens shortly after the revolution. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the 1984 sort of shows you after the revolution has happened and it has established itself, what are the consequences of that? And so this is, uh, I think that's the brilliance of George Orwell because he shows it so clearly that basically, essentially, uh, he says uh, like these things were inevitable because once you gave, once you concentrated power in so few at the expense of so many, then they, it, 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 it was inevitable that the power would be abused and anyone who would speak out against that would be ruthlessly suppressed, like what happens with Squilla in Animal Farm, mm-hmm. where he's just suppressed because he, he's the only one who still wants to go to the spirit of the revolution, but everyone else is just after power, the rest of the pigs are after power. Yeah. And so this is, uh, it, 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 it's just human nature, it's human nature writ large, and so this is why individual liberty is important, to preclude the possibility of those things. If the individual cannot be sovereign, in, 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 in the, first of all, in their own mind, and then after being uh, uh, achieving sovereignty in their own mind, also achieving it in terms of their property, the, the, the fruits of what happens, like where, when you apply f- uh, thought 
labor into uh, outside things into physical things in the outside world that's that's the, the, the property arises from that and so uh, like if, if if you if you if you don't have the sovereignty of being able to own private property but first of all being able to uh, have full control of your own mind which requires free speech so free speech is fundamental because it means you own your own mind and you can think and say what you want yeah, yeah. and and you know let's you know go on to um you know private property mm. i think that you know one of the things that um the common themes that we have been seeing for a long time with regards to socialism some will say communism yeah. or leftist ideal is this is this idea that um you know wealth is like this um big pie yeah. and it's finite and then you know the rich people have taken most of it while the the poor are actually um at the bottom and they're fighting for the crumbs that's the narrative that they create and uh you know i mean what do you what's your what's your thoughts on that really i mean well people mistake uh they mistake two things property and wealth property and and wealth are not necessarily the same thing i mean uh it wealth can manifest as property and it often does but uh, wealth requires like wealth is built by serving the needs of others and then uh, they can uh, give you their property or what they have created themselves and then they can they exchange it for what to, for what to, for what to, whatever you're offering them let me just give you a simple example uh, let's say you go to a rural area in KZN and they don't have a road mm-hmm. and you, and you just start building the road and then be, because you've built the road you need to uh, cover your costs you start charging people to use the road and people are willing to uh, pay that pay that cost and assuming that, of course, you've, brought, you've, you've bought out all the property owners who own the sections you need to build the road. And so that, well, once you've done that, then people who, are, who need to use the road then will, will, will pay money towards using the road. It's, simple, it's as simple as that. That's wealth. You are saving, you are saving some need that people have. And in return, people are giving you their fruits of, the fruits of their labor because you are saving their needs. It's, uh, capitalism is, is a simple concept, but a, a tremendously powerful one because of their potential just for creativity human mm-hmm. creativity ingenuity uh, spontaneous order that arises from that creativity and ingenuity and so this is it is the most powerful force the, the most powerful human force that we know of the only thing that even compares like would be i think nature nature would would be the only thing that beats it but in terms of like uh, organizing force on earth that uh, uh, relate to society i would say that uh, capitalism is probably the most powerful one because people like it it's that's why I, I like I have a lot of uh, what people might consider weird ideas. I mean, even the idea that I don't think we need charity. I think we just need more and more markets because that's what that's what that's how people meet their needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. So you know, I, I you know it, it's you know going back to uh, socialism. I think I think was it, was it was it this yeah was it yesterday the day before I was on Facebook right, mm-hmm. and then um well I'm on Facebook every day of course but uh, I was on Facebook that particular day yeah. and I was and I was sharing. <laughs> Um, um, an article about how Zim, you know, now is facing massive shortages, yeah. right? Yeah. And now the, the, what is very interesting is that, you know, the, when, when socialism is practiced, it doesn't matter the, 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 the context of the yeah. country, it doesn't matter the culture, th- that, that doesn't matter because it always leads to, um, you know, death, destruction and all of those, um, those negative events that, yeah. we, that, that, that we see the whole time. And um, now Zimbabwe, like when what I've seen of what, what I've noticed with it is that you know it went down that same path, but then we still have um, people that will try to um, explain it away, 
So they'll say something along the lines of, well, EWC was not practiced properly. Or they'll say, or, or some, you know, something, oh, the yeah. evil imperial yeah. Western colonial forces were involved, you know? Or some, some of them will be like, no, Dumopra, you know, clearly you've been Westernized because you cannot see <laughs> the, 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 the damage that has been caused by these, these Western people. And, you know, th- that for me, is, it, it, it doesn't help because it doesn't really speak to the core issue of, like, yeah. why it actually failed. Yeah, I mean, all of us have been westernized. The people that are championing socialism, we do think uh, Karl Marx comes from Zimbabwe or Angola. <laughs> <laughs> we are all westernized. Exactly. <laughs> people just need to, uh, like, it's, uh, it's funny because we already know exactly why communism fails in, in, in economic terms. Mm-hmm. But, uh, there, are, there are two sides to this. There's the political and then there's the economic. In yeah. economic terms, already now, it has something to do with the, the fact that you just can't uh, calculate prices. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't, that, uh, prices help manage scarcity because the, the, the whole reason why you need property in the first place is because of scarcity. Mm-hmm. And so you need a fair way to allocate scarce resources and that just happens to be private property rights. Mm-hmm. If someone finds a better way, please tell us and then I will, I will support your ideology. If you find <laughs> a better way to do it. But we know that uh, property is absolutely necessary. So when you, when you dispose of property or you acquire property in the market, what you need something to tell you like... Uh, uh, sort of to tell you how, give you a measure, a notion of how much, uh, how scarce that property is, yes. or how abundant that is, yes. and that comes through through prices. Yes. If something is abundant, it would be cheap. If it is scarce, it will be it tend to be more expensive. This is the law of supply and demand. It's mm-hmm. a simple law. It makes sense to everyone intuitively. And now, if you don't, if if you try to override this law or or to uh, to to do things your way and to pretend as if resources are infinite and you can just give them to everyone. Uh, using the central body like government, then you mess up this economic calculation. Uh, a funny story is even in the USSR, they tried to go without prices, but eventually they came to the point where they realized that uh, things were not working without prices, so they, co- they copied Western prices for their <laughs> own goods, Yo. which, which were imperfect because it didn't reflect like uh, the Soviet scarcity and mm-hmm. the abundance and, the, and things like that. And so that's why it ended up failing because even though uh, maybe it might it might help them a little bit to copy Western prices, but it was it was not enough because in the long run, yeah, any efficiency will catch up with you. So it caught up with them, and it, like the the West won without needing to fire a single bullet. I mean, I think the the entire Cold War, the USA just could basically could have ignored the Soviet Union and went on and did this thing, and it would have failed on its own. Yeah. yeah. And I heard something like the, their economy was never bigger than a tenth of the American economy. Yo. <laughs> yeah, now you consider how big the USSR is. It's much bigger than the USA. Yeah. So you, you, you can imagine that it was, it's a complete failure. And like, like all these socialist experiments, all of them are destined to fail because they just don't understand that the economic calculation problem just precludes the idea of managing resources through a central body. You really need the... The, the 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 complexity of a market, the the multiple individuals making uh, in decisions every day, which feed into the prices, and the prices give you a notion of how scarce or how bad something is, and then that that feeds into not wasting resources, because as soon as you try to waste something, the prices goes up, and then you are you are incentivized not to uh, not to waste that thing, and then you you have to conserve it. Because it becomes it becomes more valuable. Yeah. That's the, the that's the that's the market, and that's the like just to give you a practical example in the Western Cape when they had that uh, water story where they they said they were running out of water, 
the simplest thing they would just have been to raise the price of water. People, so mm. people use less of it. Yeah. But they decided to use like you know government methods try and limit demand, and they got lucky because the rain came. But <laughs> yeah, they they even tried that name and shame policy. Exactly. <laughs> All of these things are completely unnecessary in the market yeah. because you just raise the price. If something becomes more scarce, raise the price, and then if it becomes less scarce, then you decrease the price. Yes. Yeah. And but now I'm just thinking from. Uh, look, I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of government, but let's say, from a political point of view, if you had to raise the price, it's going to be, look like as if I think the DA probably thought about raising the price, but then they thought, look, the ANC could probably take advantage of this because now they're gonna say, yeah, you see, you vote the DA and then they make your they increase the price of your water. So there's, there could also be a, a, a political sure. Um, incentive. Sure, they, 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 that's the problem with putting. Uh, politics and economics because you run into those kinds of problems where people can't do what is the rational the logical thing because they are political uh, forces at work yeah. whereas in in the in the market people like even uh, poor people they act rationally more or less in, mm-hmm. in the market and so this is uh, you don't have that problem because like you have the you have the incentives to act in the right way and speaking of incentives like you know this this is the second reason why socialism failed because the incentives are just uh, skewed. Mm-hmm. It, it's skewed. Like this is, it, it fits into the politics. I mean, the, the, the politicians, what incentive is there for someone who wields absolute power over property, over business, over all of these things? What incentive are there for them to behave properly, not to abuse that power? Yeah. And then, I mean, we know in the market, if you try to abuse your power, you will lose customers. Yes. And you will you will have to come back begging to those customers and blah blah blah. Exactly. But in in politics, once you give government ultimate control, and government is the only one who is allowed to initiate force, and if you give that that group of people, those group of gangsters, uh, the the, the rights to, to the the right to interfere in economics, things can only go badly. Yeah. No. Definitely. I mean, and look, I mean, the, the examples are numerous. Yeah. With yeah. regards to that. You know, one thing like I've noticed about like uh, politics um, is the is, is the rhetoric that you see from mm. some of these leaders, right? Like, so if you look at South Africa specifically, mm. you know the the rhetoric that we hear most of the time is like we heard Ace Mahashule, he was at um, Vitz this mm. week, mm. and apparently he said something about um, white monopoly capital, yeah. and a lot of people were supporting him, saying mm. that yeah, he's actually telling the truth, and yeah, he knows what he's talking about, but it, it, it really isn't true because I, I just think that with regard to the whole idea of white monopoly capital, it almost serves as like this type of distraction mm. for the public to focus on while it, it, instead of people actually focusing on um, what's really going on within the government and how they're messing up the economy. Because, yeah. I mean, you think about it now, they, um, they want to change Section 25 of the Constitution. Mm. They want to introduce the National Health Insurance Bill. I mean, both bills are, are, are crazy. Mm. I mean, at, at best, I mean, to be fair to it, they are, they, it's madness. And yet, there's this rhetoric that they use. And um, what saddens me is that people fall victim to that rhetoric. So yeah. South Africa definitely has a concentrated economy, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the, it does tend to be dominated by white people. But there's a good reason why that is, mm-hmm. which is the very same regulations that government uh, uses. Like South Africa is a highly regulated society. In terms of social democratic states, we, had, we, tend, we, we are almost like a, an outlier because the, the, the famous example of social democratic states would be the Scandinavians. Mm-hmm. But what they have there is like a high taxation but low regulation. Mm-hmm. 
what we have here is high taxation and high regulation. Yeah. So this is a this is a, a recipe for disaster. Yeah. When you have high regulation and the, and the post and the, and, the, and the treasury's policy document uh, makes this point as well, is that when you have high regulation, this benefits incumbents who have been able to uh, build up their resources so they can uh, un quickly understand and comply with any regulation. In fact, they help write the regulations mm -hmm. because they come to government and say, government wants to regulate something and then the corporates just come like, you know, like little helpful elves and say, okay, we'll, <laughs> you, you can regulate, but regulate this way. We have the, we've done the research, this is the best way to regulate. And then the government regulates that way and then they, it, it tends to favor the corporates. Because like it, it can only favor incumbents, even even without them writing the regulations themselves, it will always favor the incumbents because it is a, a, any extra cost mm -hmm. they can just it's easy for them to bear any extra cost of compliance, and then they pass the, the the prices on to the consumer, and the people who can't comply with the regulations can't even compete anymore because the government will just shut them down, and so this is what happens, and it happens in the case of trade unions as well. Mm -hmm. Trade unions are also a monopoly. So this is why uh, there, 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 there are two kinds of monopoly in South Africa, or two, two, two kinds of concentration in, in the economy. There's on the business side, we have a highly concentrated economy because of the regulations like, you know, health and safety and things like that. You could mm -hmm. name them uh, and so on and so on. But you also have um, licensing and blah, blah, blah. So, but you also have a regulation in, in the labor side. And the, the regulating the labor side tends to favor unions. Unions are the monopolies when it comes to labor. And then businesses will be the monopolies in terms of when it comes to business. But these things, this is why this artificial separation between labor and business is just not on, because like labor, labor, labor unions are acting like labor brokers. Yeah. That's why they want to shut down all other labor brokers because they don't want the competition. They're acting like labor brokers in the sense that only their people can have jobs in the country, and everyone else is not allowed to have a job. If you're not part of a union or if you don't uh, comply with their dictates, then you can't have a job. Because they, they, they that's, that's how they have set up the system. Things like the minimum wage, for example. Who yeah. is that going to favor? It's going to favor members of trade unions. Yeah. Because they, they are they are already in jobs. They are already uh, have acquired the experience. They are not entry level at all. And so it's just always going to favor them. And it's the same thing that happens within the case of big business. And so to say white monopoly capital it can nothing but be wrong. Unless you are saying that every single labor union is in South Africa is controlled by white people, every single business is controlled by white people. But what we what we do see is that it's not the case. There are some businesses, big businesses that have black CEOs, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have also have uh, labor unions. Most of our labor unions are, are, are dominated by black people. Mm -hmm. And so if you're talking about white monopoly capital, don't only focus on one side. Focus on on the entire exactly. uh, monopolistic in, endeavor. The thing that's that's keeping uh, poor people from getting jobs that I, I would think that would be your most important focus yeah yeah it's, and yeah it should be but yeah. it, but the problem is that you know the left from my experience is what the, these guys do is they they're very good at creating good convincing emotional narratives like 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 i mean like that like that facebook status i shared where we, I was being sarcastic when I was saying, ah, but Dumo, bro, socialism is about justice, <laughs> fairness, dignity, and Ubuntu, for example, yeah. you know? And, um, and, and, you know, and then once they say that, they'll follow up and say, don't you want justice? Don't you want fairness? Don't you want all of these things? And then you're like, yes. And they're like, yeah, I'll then, you know, become a socialist. This, this, is, this is a specific kind of uh, fallacy mm. when you're talking about logic. 
it's called begging the question yes so they they they, they are basically setting up as an axiom that uh, uh, socialism is is about justice it's about all of these good things mm-hmm. and then they also have the conclusion that uh, because i have said that socialism is about justice equality blah, 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 then it is about justice equality which yeah. is which is nonsense that's not how you argue oh so so it's like it's like a it's circular reasoning exactly basically. exactly because circular the, reasoning, yeah. the conclusion is assumed in the premise exactly okay yeah, okay yeah. Yeah, so the, the, it's a, like it's you know that's another thing. Yeah, the logical flaws yeah. of the thing. I mean, if if you study basic philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. You, you you the first thing you're taught is like how to understand arguments. What is a deductive one? What yeah. is an inductive mm-hmm. one? And you know, and um, you know, and each premise, you know, some yeah. of them can be supported with evidence. Yeah. Some of them are properly basic. You yeah. don't have yeah. to provide evidence. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I just think that. Um, from a, from my understanding, it, it seems to me that from for what socialists try to push is, oh, take your brain, throw it out the window. Yeah. Just let's just use emotions, and it's no coincidence yeah. that uh, socialism is most popular among the people who have the least uh, developed brains among us, which is young people. Yeah. So that, that's no coincidence. Yeah, yeah def- definitely. Yeah, you look and look at the millennials. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I went to school, and uh, many people that I've known from school have turned into socialists. Yeah, you know, and then like, and and some of them even have businesses on the side. I'm like, how can you have a business? You want to make profit. Yeah. You understand how the minimum wage kills your business. You see, you know, and they but just to appease your friends, you say, ah, you know. Yeah, capitalism, the, you know, we exploit people and what, what, and what, what. But it's not a business, exploiting people. The entrepreneurs that I have met who are socialists, most of them tend to be under the belief that uh, government can somehow effect a transfer of wealth from white business to them and so that they can run their businesses with more capital. And I, I think this is, this is such a flawed idea. If you look at every uh, communist revolution, yeah. The first people they go after are always the small business owners, you know, the, the yes. small landowners, <laughs> the entrepreneurs. They always go after those people because they are a threat to government, because they are yeah. an independent source of power, because they have uh, private property. Yes, yes. And so yes. once you de- once you once you completely destroy private property, you have no security as an individual. Yeah. You have no security in how your business is run or how, how things work and all of those mm-hmm. things. And so this is uh, if they, if they can't see their pro- if they can't see that problem, then something uh, uh, surprising is going to come to them, and this yeah. won't be nice. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. I mean, and and even this transfer of wealth. Mm. I mean, like I, I just think you, you you already seen how the government operates, right? Yeah. Like, you know, th- th- there's nothing that they transfer. Yeah. All they just do, if you give these guys that power, yeah. they're gonna take that wealth and use it for themselves. Yeah. I mean, now already we've seen, I mean, like with this whole VBS scandal, I mean, we saw, I mean, like what is written in the Daily Maverick and what, what. as soon as these socialists get funds, they just splurge. Yeah. They just splurge it. They're not going to transfer it. They're just saying we're going to transfer the wealth just to appease, well, not, not appease, but just to appeal emotionally to the, to the public. Yeah. And then once they get the, that money, they, they just use it for themselves. I mean, these are human beings just like us, exactly. you know, and they, they just think that these guys are just immune from temptations and from the, the, the lust of power and uh, the abuse of power as well. Pity, pity the fool who will transfer their property to someone else in order to 
punish someone else like you know a, a dead party yeah and so this is uh this is me channeling my inner mr t now but <laughs> 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 it's, it's, uh, it is the ultimate foolishness yeah. if you if you you transfer your property to someone else because you think okay though this person will be will do will punish that other person who has more property than me so let me give you my property so you can punish that other person yeah and people don't see the flaw in that yes <laughs> what yes. if the guy says okay you're giving me your property sure okay now fuck you <laughs> <laughs> what, what what do you do then yeah exactly <laughs> okay right all right let's let's take a break and uh, we'll be right back yeah cool cool sure, sure. okay we are back we had a few technical difficulties but that's fine um i don't think we'll have more of them today but now we're back we're back we're back yeah. we're back we're back so yeah man look uh yeah let's just jump right into the stuff um so let's talk about this whole spanking thing yeah okay <laughs> so um we, we you know the um, court constitutional court ruled that uh spanking is actually um, illegal you can't do that so what are your thoughts on that well it's a it's a difficult one for me because i i see the merits of both positions i mean the, you you can see from from the one from the one side uh you can see the point about uh, assault like assault is a common law crime and so that's uh, that's the that's the one aspect of it like you know violation of natural rights violation of bodily sovereignty the other side of it is that um, to what extent can children be possessors of rights because for example if your five-year-old decides to uh, leave your house and like yeah. go live on his own you will stop him yeah so essentially if 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 he was an adult and you stopped him it would be considered kidnapping yes but you stop him and it's your five-year-old and it's, it's considered okay so it's not a, it's not an easy issue like uh, to what extent do our children possessors of rights and to what extent are they, uh, they, they can, par can parents violate those natural rights? Mm -hmm. And so this is a, it's a tough question. And so it's not one that I can just you know come up with an answer quickly and easily. So I don't I can see it from both points of view. But personally, for myself, I don't believe in hitting children. Mm -hmm. I don't hit my daughter, and I discourage everyone that I know from hitting their children. So that's yeah. yeah. No, I, um, it, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, because I mean, there's this whole thing about peaceful parenting. You yeah. know, I remember when I was um, when I was at my first job, and uh, I was also like, no, no, I beat the kid, I beat the kid. And then this, <laughs> this guy was like, no, let's let's talk about let's talk about really the the ramifications of it. And I was listening to a a presentation by a very controversial guy. Uh, what's this guy's name? Uh, Stephen Molyneux. And then he was uh, talking about uh, how we should adopt peaceful parenting. You yeah. know, like have rather have more patience with the children and stuff. So he's, he made a very large, no, I wouldn't say large, but a very long presentation on why you shouldn't spank children. And, and, when, yeah. and we, he's talking about spanking, not even like beating the kid, just a, a spank. Yeah. And, he's, and he showed that like, you know, when you spank children, it actually um, has some long negative um, uh, outcomes on their, actually their IQ development yeah. and, and everything like that. And then when I heard that, I was just like, yo, okay, you know, maybe I should, you know, take another different approach to this, you know. And, and uh, yeah. Uh, also, it just shows you how culture can uh, mm -hmm. influence things such as IQ. If you have a culture of spanking, I mean, and then your IQ turns out to be lower than other groups which don't have the same culture, then 
you can't really be surprised. So it just shows you that how culture can influence things like IQ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, and you know, and, and and to continue on, um, um, on point, you know, he says that look, I mean, I, well, I wouldn't say this is his argument, but I think that. You know, when the government gets involved in this, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the government mm. getting involved, but I understand, you know, there are merits to both sides. Mm. However, I think that, um, you know, it's more of an education thing, you know, that um, maybe there should be more people teaching pe- teaching parents about peaceful parenting, yeah. the alternatives to spanking. Because mm. when I heard some of these argue- arguments, some of them were like, well, what am I going to do now? Because I don't know any other way of um you know raising my child or you know disciplining my child or putting my child on the on the right path and i think that's the thing you you can't just ban it and then not offer an alternative sure or and you or you can't um not offer the alternative at all and expect people just to figure it out because the knowledge is out there i mean you know so so so, uh, my approach to it as a a father is that i i basically just expose my daughter to consequences Mm -hmm. So if she wants to teach, uh, she wants to touch an open flame, I let her touch it, and then she will see, she will feel the pain, and then she will learn that, uh, yeah, like you know, it's not applicable to everything. I mean, if something is going to kill her, obviously, yeah, I can't allow yeah. her to do it. But <laughs> yeah. otherwise, like it's just like reason with your with, with your child. That's I think that's the best way to do it. Like even when children are like you know, as soon as they are able to start talking, like for example, my daughter is two. Like they can reason with you, they can talk to you, and then yeah. you can sort of see, like use elementary uh, building blocks of logic, and they can mm-hmm. sort of see that okay, no, this is why this is not a good idea, and so. But it's it's not it's not it doesn't happen immediately. You will need some patience with your child, yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah, it eventually happens. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and also, I'm um, just going, um, just speaking on banning things. Um, you know, there's. This thing of banning um, certain uh, inst- uh, substances and whatever, mm. um, I think if someone looks at it from a perspective of trying to prevent things to happen, mm. right, they think that that seems to be intuitive. Like, hey, you don't want people, I don't know, you don't want people smoking this drug or whatever drug, therefore we should ban it. But in fact, that doesn't even work. It actually um, makes things a bit worse, in fact. Yeah. Um, because I mean, like, there was this one issue. Um, this is a, this is a controversial one about mm-hmm. drugs. I remember the one time when Thomas Saul. Uh, I, I was I was actually listening to an audio book of his, and um, he was talking about how we should actually legalize these drugs yeah. to prevent, um, you know, these drug related crimes. Yeah. And look, I'm not encouraging people to take drugs here, mm-hmm. you know. But like w- when I first heard it, I was like. No, this con- this is not the Thomas Sowell, like, <laughs> the, 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 the the most conservative guy. No, yeah. you know, saying this, but he he, he actually had a good point because yeah. I think that the point was that look, if you if you if you ban them and you keep them banned, mm. all right, what happens is in the long run, uh, people who are addicted to this, mm. right, they they may get thrown in jail for a victimless crime, mm. and also at the same time. Um, you know the problem won't be solved but by more prohibition yeah. you know and uh you know th- th- that he had he had a good point there and then he says that if you do if you unban them or legalize them you actually take the power away from the cartels and yeah. you actually um give uh, put it over to the people because yeah. now people it's, it's readily it's readily available yeah. and also at the same time if it's readily available um 
yes, some people say they may smoke it or they may, you know, um, consume those drugs even more. But again, it also comes to education. Yeah. It's the same thing, yeah. Well, it's, it's just, I feel like, you know, we should let adults do whatever they want. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when did we decide, at what point during the um, long advance of human civilization that we decided that, oh no, uh, people who are irresponsible are no longer uh, able to die from their irresponsibility. I think that's, that's, the, that's the beginning of the mistake. Yeah. If you are irresponsible, there should be a possibility of you dying. If you choose to be lazy and not to work for, to, to, make, mm-hmm. to, 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 to raise the income to buy food for yourself and your loved ones, then you should be able to die because that's 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 the implication of freedom. Yeah, yeah. If 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 you are protected from all your negative, uh, uh, the, the negative consequences of your choices, then you are really not you're really not mm-hmm. free because it means that uh, someone else, like a, a higher authority, is making these decisions for you, which is not which is not freedom. Freedom means freedom has a negative aspect and a positive aspect. You can do good things for yourself. You can do bad things against yourself. That's the, that's the implication of freedom. If you don't have that, you are essentially a slave. And that's, uh, freedom is what the, the possibility that someone will, will make irresponsible decisions. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, that's a good point. I remember um, now, that you, now that you mentioned the thing about freedom, like, you know, we live in a planet now or we live in a world where the very same fire that can keep you warm at winter can burn you and stuff like that and, and it's also the same thing works with freedom yeah. and also i mean you know going back to the issue of like drugs and what i mean you know th- there are drugs out there that are mind altering yeah. and, and, and so forth now the, the, this is the the contention that i have with saul's policy I, as much as i love the guy this is the, the only contention is what do we do with mind altering drugs so you're an anarchist right <laughs> So uh, let the individuals decide. Let, the, mean, let them decide. If you make if you make the wrong decision, you okay. either lose your money, lose your family, or lose your life. So this is this is the implication of freedom. We might not uh, you, you like there, if like if if there are no negative consequences, yeah. there can be no great consequences or potential consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if if the if the entirety of your life is circumscribed yes. by the rules written by someone else. Then you can really not, never be great. You can never really achieve any great or worthwhile thing. And so this is this is why freedom is important. You sometimes people are going to misuse and take drugs that absolutely destroy their lives. It's and freedom, yeah, man. and and, and yeah, yeah and, 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 we, and we see that now anyway. We should know? allow yeah, that. Yeah, right? that's, allow, the, yeah. that's the argument that, that mm-hmm. I keep making. That we should allow people to be able to mm-hmm. lose uh, things that the important things like you know food or shelter if they make bad decisions, because otherwise, if you do it any other way, then you just become like you dull the, every, the everything that is great about mankind, which is the individuality, the creativity, the risk taking, all of those things. You dull those things. Mm-hmm if you sort of circumscribe what people can do. So you should allow people to be free as long as they don't, they don't hurt others okay. or they don't um, transgress against the property of others. Okay. You should allow people to be free. But then if they choose to make bad decisions, then it's on them. Like, I, I don't understand this thing of... Uh, it really... It's sort of... Uh, uh, I, I want to say like it pisses me off that like, you know, we just say, oh, no, we should protect people against their own will. No, we shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Like people, if you want to kill yourself, kill yourself. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, just, it's just as simple as that. <laughs> even killing yourself. <laughs> even killing yourself. <laughs> if you are an adult, of course. 
Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it, it goes back to euthanasia. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I think um, it goes back to the whole moral, moral versus legal um, debate, you know, because they, they, there are some people that will have moral objections to doing certain things, but they won't um, make that, they won't make that moral principle a um, law, for example. Yeah. So like, for example, I mean, like, you know, like um, conservative Christians will say, um, the, the, they will say they'll believe that let's say sex before marriage is mm. morally wrong, right? But um, they will say, well, we don't want the government to be going around checking everybody's bedroom yeah. to see if that is the case. Mm. We just say as a moral principle, this is what we believe. But when it comes to the legal perspective, we allow the mo- we allow the most freedom. But again, it still it, it still puts that decision back into the individual's yeah. um, hand. And they think that, and even with um, not euthanasia, what is it called? Assisted suicide, right? Yeah. Is that euthanasia? Yeah, I, I think it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Why do I think it's something different? Okay, anyway, but anyway, but, but um, going back to that, even that, I, like, even when I see people, like, saying that they just want to die, like, I get so depressed. Like, I, like no, don't kill yourself, man. But I, I may personally feel that it is morally wrong to do so. But at the same time, should um, the, should, do, I, do I think that the law should actually prevent the person from doing so i would say no yeah as long as not killing someone else yeah yeah, but i think what i have to just do i just have to be good at convincing the guy to not kill himself and 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 also when you allow freedom within the law it actually like puts the ball back in the people's court yeah so it actually says okay fine the law says you can't you know force someone to not kill themselves if they don't want to but if that is the case, then therefore you as an individual, you must be good at convincing people not to kill themselves. Yeah. That's why we have these hotlines yeah. that, that, that someone can phone and, and, and you know, if, if they feel like that. So, and, and, and I'm a big fan of that because it goes back to the battle of ideas. Yeah. Which idea is the most superior one? Yeah. Let's not force it down their throats. Let's convince. Yeah. And if they try to use their, okay, well, let me not say inferior, but if they use ideas that are bad and they fail at it, then they will see, okay, this is not the right way to do it. Rather, Oh, the people who are following them will see. Yeah, they will see and say, ah, you know what? Hey, that Dumo guy was actually right at the beginning, you know? Yeah. Maybe because it wasn't as crazy. Yeah. One of the things that I read was about uh, Kampuchea, which mm-hmm. was like the, the state that uh, Pol Pot started in, in Cambodia, mm-hmm. which was uh, like a, a very agrarian, very anti-colonialist state. Uh, decolonization movement, which tend, uh, which was a socialist movement as well, mm-hmm. just like the NDR in South Africa. Yeah, and so there's uh, the, 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 a lot of atrocities. I think something like twenty five percent of the Cambodian population was killed. Sure, uh, mid middle class people like teachers, doctors, and they were taken from the cities and uh, uh, taken to rural areas to farm, basically, which basically wa- wa- wiped out like you know the medical center yeah. and. Uh, a whole lot of other important fields so they replaced these people with like you know young girls like 15 year olds 13 year olds who are supposed to be healers and of course they couldn't do anything yeah <laughs> yeah people so people died and 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 so from from looking at that i would say that you know there is no there's there's no cause for like you know deciding for on behalf of people what they should be doing I think only individuals themselves making their own decisions can make those choices. And so that no matter what excuse you have, whether it's colonialism or whatever it is, it's not enough. I mean, it's not enough to 
revoke what is self-evident, which is individualism. We know, like we see, it's something that everyone knows. Like it's, it's, it's an axiom that people are individuals. For the mere fact that we cannot get into your inner life too more and say, okay, this is what you think, this is what you should be thinking. Yeah. I don't know what's going on in your mind right now. Like I can, I can only rely on what, you, on what you tell me. And so for that reason, then individualism is self-evident and it's, it's, the, it's the most rational, the most appropriate thing. And so once you've established individualism as a, as, as a self-evident fact, then what, is the, what are the implications that flow from that? The first implication is that you own your mind. Mm-hmm. Once you own your mind, you own your body as well. Once you own your body, you own every single action that comes from you. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's the basis of property rights. And so I'm, 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 a, I'm a road party, I'm libertarian for that for the, for the purpose because I believe all the basis of all rights is property rights. Okay. Yeah. But then now, when, when I looked at your profile on rational standing, mm-hmm. they said you're an anarcho-capitalist. Yes. So, I, I think I have an idea of what that is. Yeah. But like, I, I don't want to misrepresent you, so I'd like you to explain that. So, uh, the, the only rule or the only law in an anarcho-capitalist society is uh, property rights. So, okay. once, once you have homesteaded a, a, a particular piece of property, whatever it is, by homesteading meaning that you are the first person to, in, to encounter and take possession of that property, and uh, fence it off or whatever it is that you need to do to show that you own that property. So once you've done that, that is enough. You own something, and from there you can derive other things. And from the from the fact that you know you are a self owner yourself, so your actions are you own your actions, and whatever like whatever endeavor you take to fence off a property that was lying um, just barren, no one no one no one owned it, or no one had made a clear claim on that property, mm-hmm. and then you come and make a clear claim. Then it's uh, it's enough. You own that thing. Like it's yeah. okay. And then now, I'm I'm just I'm just trying to see this from a libertarian perspective. Now, what if someone comes and says to you, "All right, um, now it, 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 is it fair for me to assume that in a anarcho-capitalist um, mm. society, that there is no central government? Is it fair to assume that? Sure, there's absolutely no central government. And by that, mm-hmm. it means it doesn't mean that there is no central um, authority or okay. or source of laws or anything like that. It doesn't mean that. What it means is that it's all completely voluntary. So there's no taxation. So whatever you pay into it is something that you have signed a contract to pay into it. Okay. You know you've heard of the social contract. So we're talking yes. about here about a real contract mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you actually sign. So that's that's the, that's 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 the main difference because you uh, we believe in consent. Probably even more than the the feminists who always talk about consent. We, we, we libertarians believe in consent more than everything else. Like we, we believe that it's the it's the basis of all social interaction. Like if you if if you don't consent for how to how your property, uh, yourself are used, and then there is no freedom there. So that's that's what we care about: freedom, liberty. Yeah. Okay. Then okay. Now I remember in social when I was in social political yeah. philosophy, right? Uh, that was like your. In 2011, and then now talking about consent, uh, there was that that was a major topic because a, a lot of anarchists will, will say that look, I mean, you know, um, I don't consent to the government. Why should I follow their laws? You know, because and they say, well, because you're in the country, but where's the agreement? Where's the agreement that exactly. I said that I want to be a, a citizen of this country? Now, I, I haven't really found um, a, a good objection to that. Like, the only thing I can just say is that there really isn't. 
There, yeah. there really isn't an agreement. You just have to follow it. Otherwise, they, they, they throw you in jail. That's, yeah. they, they, that's how I see it. Yeah. But also at the same time, from a perspective of utilitarianism or efficiency, yeah. you know, um, if you want everyone to consent to you know, being ruled by this government, how would you obtain this type of consent? And I think because of the imp- impractical, well, because it, it's impractical, something like that, of uh, trying to achieve that goal, I just think that's why they, the, the, the state would rather use force in so, order to um, get people um, involved. So the vast majority of South Africans use only five banks to, to conduct their banking transactions. Mm-hmm. Like something like more than 90% if I had to guess. And so if that is true, that uh, how do those people give their consent? They signed contracts. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But now, but we've seen in, in private companies, they, um, they found more efficient ways of doing that. But now if you look at the central government, for example, mm. They're not competing against anyone. Yeah. And because they use force. Exactly. Because they suppress competition through force. Exactly. Like if an alternative government rises up in case it's and they'll send in the army, they'll send in the police, whatever they need to to suppress mm-hmm. it. So that's the nature of government and it's always been the nature of government since the very beginning. Yeah. Now, in your mind, do you think that because now the, the the only problem I have with the government is that it's gonna grow. I think even um in the US yeah. They, even the guys that started the, the, the whole United States, um, they said that the natural tendency of government is to grow. Yeah. All right. And then in my head, I was like, okay, then why don't you, why don't you just become anarchist? Then why do you set up the government mm. in the first place? But do you, do you honestly think that from a now in, 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 in just the way the world is set up right now, okay, do you honestly think that, that there is a way to really keep the government limited? Like the way Milton Friedman puts it, like... Um, that the government should only like have a military and very minimal basic services. The rest, you figure out yourself. I think there's no way to keep the government limited forever. Like mm-hmm. this. I think as soon as you have a government, it will tend to grow. So I think that's why anarchy makes sense. I mean, it will, it will also, if there are people who, like there are always, there will always be people who want, who want nothing but power. Mm-hmm. And so those people will always like want to more and more power to gain power and to exercise it, and so this is even in anarchy is not hundred percent safe. Like mm-hmm. eventually, like someone is going to come with some retarded idea about inequality or something else, yeah, that's, and just yeah. and just usurp the the anarchy and institute a government. So for me, it's just a matter of steps. Uh, you you have a minarchy which is like you know. Uh, a, a, a few libertarians believe in that the idea that you can strictly limit government and then like that that, that will eventually fail and then it will become a, a, like they it will become something like the USA mm-hmm. and then on the other hand like you have an anarchy that's that that is almost certain also to fail like it's almost certain that it will fail at some point but it's just one more step removed from you first have to get to a minarchy before you can, you know, okay. get to a socialist system and blah 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 blah. Oh. blah. It's just one more step. So it, it, I, for me, I see it as a matter of safeguards. There's just one more safeguard. Like it's, it's just harder from an anarchy to get to a statist society, okay. whereas from a minarchy it's much easier. So it's a practical thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so okay, it's more practical than a, than I thought. Yeah, because it just seems to me like based on how you explained it now, that it's it's, it's almost like the seesaw. Where an- anarchy is on one side and having a full-fledged state yeah. like we have now is on the other side, and then what tends to happen is that at some point it's going to tip at one, it's going to tip to one scale, and then 
and people get tired of that and they say no we need a government and yeah. then they go to the other end but it's it's what i find very interesting about about anarchism is it has this very favorable view of human beings and what i mean by that they have this idea that human beings are, are, are rational yeah. they can make their own decisions and they don't need a central government as now like hobbes for example he he um spoke about the state of nature yeah. in the book called the leviathan i, I found it convincing at first yeah. because because i was thinking okay because when i think about anarchy i'm thinking you are no government no protection no nothing and you think that the first thing that's going to happen someone's going to jump through your window and take whatever you have yeah. but um you know obviously as i got more involved in political uh, just just look at what's happened in the townships during apartheid yeah their townships were essentially independent mm-hmm. they were running their own businesses they were they were not too bothered about what the central government was doing mm-hmm. because it's, they knew that the government didn't care about them they violated the regulations that were oh that were there because they just didn't care mm-hmm. and 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 you actually had more prosperity because people had this idea that the government doesn't care about me mm-hmm. so they were more independent and you actually had more black business during then and now what is happening since democracy everyone believes that the government owes them something they're going to get something from the government and then they just don't uh, they are not motivated to work for themselves and the entire social economy fabric of South Africa the townships has just collapsed since democracy so this is what is freedom yeah it's you know now that you mentioned that uh, this the whole dependency on the government mm. i think you know th- th- that is a very destructive force because um you know to tell someone that you need the government to do a, a certain tasks already puts them on the back foot yeah it's disempowering it, it, yeah, yeah. And then and and they give them the, the impression i mean especially this government that if the government gives you cash or if they, if they provide a certain service for free they're actually empowering you but actually not they're actually making you more dependent on them it's it's like if someone like in the um, in 1790 or something mm-hmm. in the usa someone comes to you to me and says okay i'm going to feed you i'm going to do everything all you need to do is just listen to everything i say yeah Okay, now this is this sounds good today, but back then they would have, it would have been called slavery. Yeah. And so this is this this is the fight. I mean, like you you can live comfortably, but are you free? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's the thing. It's 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 that um, fight between security and yeah. and freedom. Because if you get security, you might not get freedom yeah. at all. But if you get freedom, you may not have security. And but there's no such thing as absolute security. There's always someone who's going to be able to do more. Uh, how to harm, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, someone can offer. Someone says, "Listen, join the state. You get a thousand bucks." The next one can say, "No, we'll give you two thousand. Yeah, it, it, it's there's, there's no there's no limit to it at all. But I mean, okay, it's it's very interesting the the theory of anarchy. It, it, it's just that like in, in in my head, you know, you know, human beings. If you look at their behavior over time, it's it's been consistent. There hasn't been like this. Um, fundamental shift there's you know given a context if given the options that they have they'll take certain options and uh, the, the, the the problem I have is it, it's it seems like you have to choose the, um, the, the less of two evils here what do you want do you want a state if you have a state that means you're gonna have to pay tax mm-hmm. if you pay tax that means that there's certain laws you're gonna have to follow and sometimes a state can set laws that are that are not favorable no. all right and you're not even guaranteed safety because someone could just you know go into your house and rob you right there yeah. uh, you know but in anarchy for example you say okay look i got a gun i can protect myself if someone mm. tries to get into my house i'll shoot him mm. 
So you, you, you're responsible for your own security. So I don't know. I, I, I'm still on the libertarian side. I don't know if I'll be an anarchist, but... So this is our, mm-hmm. how I answer that question. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you have the states, mm-hmm. what, what, what it means, what it really means is that uh, everyone outside, the state will protect you against everyone outside your borders. But the state will not protect you against itself. Yeah. It, it, it will, if it wants to use violence against you, it will use violence against yes. you. I mean, six million German citizens in, during the Holocaust were made yeah. probably more than that number. Uh, in Rwanda, like, you know, one million people died in, um, in the First World War governments made at, I think, something like 37 million people. So it's, it's the, the, the states, like, it doesn't mean that the states won't kill you. It just means that, uh, like, I, it will stop other people from other states killing you. That's all the government means. And it doesn't, like, if the state is threatened enough, it will kill you. We have seen with, like, you know, Kampuchea, uh, the USSR, China. Yeah. Uh, Venezuela now, uh, Zimbabwe, and so on and so on. Like you know, all these states uh, during the, the the Cold War, like states like um, uh, Bulgaria and the, the whole Eastern Bloc. And so, this is like uh, there is an illusion of safety with government, but there is no actual safety or security. It's like if some are you really safe if someone says to you. Uh, I will, I will keep you alive. I will protect you as long as you don't disagree with me. Is that really something no, to be proud safe. of? No, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and, and yeah, it's, 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 it almost seems like I don't know. I don't know if this is human nature or what, but it almost seems like we are inclined to chase security initially. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because of the sca- the scarcity of resources or, or whatever. Yeah. But um, and 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 it seems to be very powerful because mm-hmm. I mean already I mean this this is why. Um, you know, socialism and all the, the philosophy of socialism is it's so, it seems convincing yeah. to a lot of people because just imagine living a life where you don't have to worry about paying for anything. Mm-hmm. And, but unfortunately, that, that world does not exist yeah. because there's scarce resources, um, like even with this whole thing of free education. And I mean, people are seeing this as like a moral imperative. But, I'm, but I keep asking the question, look, man, you know, the, the, the lecturers need to get paid. Mm. The books need to be printed. And that costs money. Yeah. You know, um, the security guards on campus, you know. I mean, there's a lot of things that, yeah. that, are, that, 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 are, that are on campus. And to say that you're going to provide all of that for free, in my opinion, you know, it, it's, it sounds great. I mean, yes, I would like it for free, but who's going to pay for it? <laughs> exactly. Where's the money going to come from? I mean, it's, it's, it's a scarce resource, man. Like, you only have so, much, so many professors... Yeah. So many books, so many people who can access security guards, as you were saying now. Yeah. So many pieces of land where you can build universities, you know, and so on and so on and so on. All of these things like require uh, using scarce resources, which means money. Yes. And so like, you just have to deal with that. I mean, in South Africa, like introducing free education has already had uh, a lot of uh, important consequences mm-hmm. for the fact that their VAT was raised from 14 to 15 percent for the first time in like 24 or 23 years. That's crazy, man. Like, just bec- to think about that, the fact that we have to um, uh, provide for the education of like something like 0.0 something percent of the population, then we have to raise vets from 14 to 15 percent for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, so the poor, the poor person who buys food for themselves every month is funding the education of some elites, uh, rich middle class person, just because. 
Like it, it, it's a, it's a crazy thing, but it's the South, South Africa has chosen. And exact and the, the the worst thing about that is that person will probably will never become, will never get that degree yeah. that he's paying for, but yeah. he's paying for someone else. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, you know, talking about raising you know taxes, that's another issue that I feel um, that uh, that needs to be spoken about because now there's this whole. I mean, now SARS is expecting another um, shortfall mm. in tax revenue. And they've been raising the tax, and it seems that you know the, the, the South African population is at that point where, look, it, you can raise the tax rate, and it's going to go even further down in terms of revenue. South African government welcomes with a laugh Kev. So this is this is a, a, a well-known like it's it's it has never really been um, uh, proven empirically because it's not clear what you what kind of variables you would use to study the data. Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to look at GDP per capita, blah blah blah, or what are you going to look at, like you know, a dollar value of the taxes collected or proportion of the national income, or so on and so on and so on. So there are a lot of questions, but like just looking at the fact that South Africa has been raising taxes. I mean, we raised income taxes this year. Uh, we raised them by not adjusting the. The, for, for bracket creep so basically uh, through inflation we raise taxes through inflation and so by do by by doing all of these things we are actually raising less the more we raise taxes we are raising less money mm-hmm. this is because the more people the more you, inc- you increase the tax burden on people the more you are incentivizing them to not pay tax yeah so you are telling them okay you are either going to move away or put your money in some offshore tax haven or, or whatever but you're going to do whatever it takes to protect your money. And that's that's what's happening in South Africa. We are raising tax rates, but we're getting less and less taxes collected. The best, the most sustainable way to continue raising taxes or even increase the, the amount of taxes that you raise is to chase economic growth. Yeah. That's what, that's what countries have, like many countries in the West have discovered. You need to chase economic growth. There is an economist called Daniel Michel, who has come up with uh, Michel's rule, like uh, so Michel's golden rule. So his rule says that uh, whenever you uh, adjust taxes, increase or decrease taxes, you should always make sure that your tax rate is less than your economic growth rate. Okay. In that way, you ensure that you always raise more taxes than the, and then you don't, you never go over the uh, midpoint of the Lafa curve. Yeah, that'll be yeah. great eh? if the, if our government could do that. Because let's say we projected to make what. 0.6% this year, right? In terms of economic growth. Yeah. Just imagine the government only taking less than 1% yeah. of that in tax revenue. Yeah. I, I honestly, oh, that my paycheck will look amazing. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll want to go to work every day. <laughs> I mean, that, that'll be crazy. Yeah, 0.6, ah, that, that's good. They can take 0.6. Yeah, but know, when it gets to like 14, 15, 16, yeah, then 40%. Yeah. Nah, that's it's daylight robbery. You yeah, know, it is. It really is. Like, daylight. I don't know people. People who like South Africans don't really don't understand this. Like, okay, if you start out like earning like ten thousand rands a month, it doesn't seem too bad. Yeah. And then and then your salary is raised, and then you see how much you're paying in taxes, and then it's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> a, a good um, person I know, uh, very close to me, was telling me, like, how much you paid in taxes in a month. And, 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 and like I, I wanted to throw up it's like yeah that just goes away just because the government said you must give it to them no it, it, it's robbery it, it's like um, who said it it was Walter Williams he was explaining the concept of um, of, of, of helping someone mm. 
And he was saying that, look, yes, you, you guys argue saying that the government um, needs money to run itself and everything mm. like that and, and so forth. But, you know, I, what's, how, if the government takes money from me and threatens jail time yeah. if I don't pay them, how's that different from me taking a gun, pointing it to someone else's head, and then saying, if you don't give me your money, mm. I'll, I'll shoot you. And then you take that money and then you help someone else with that money. It's, How's that different? It's, there's no difference at all. Exactly. Which is why the slogan comes in during the American Revolution, no taxation without representation. Yeah. Like you need people who are paying taxes to, be, to have effective representation in government. And so like you, maybe the solution might be another house of parliament in South Africa. We're just representing taxpayers, but you cannot. It's untenable to accept a situation where taxpayers don't have a say exactly. on, on, on policy. I'm, I'm not saying they should. They should have the only say, but they do have. They do need their ability to say, okay, no, we won't approve this because it's um, because we are paying the taxes and we don't think this is a good use of our money. If you don't have that, then you don't. You don't have a proper representation of the people who actually fund the government. I mean, the democracy for me is less of an moral imperative than the fact that you just, like, people who, who actually fund the government, who give up their livelihoods to fund the government, they should have the say of how they, which policies that the government brings through. And if they don't have that say, where a true dilution has happened in South Africa, where government essentially says, okay, we'll dilute your vote as the taxpayer with millions of people who don't pay taxes, Exactly. Or whether it's like the, the U.S. Um, colonies where it was basically the people were paying taxes but the laws were made in England. So both of those things are equivalent. If you are paying something for something and you have no say of how, I, of how it's over, how it's used, then you are really not free. Yeah, so. definitely. And, and yeah, and, the, and this is what an anarchist will say. This is why, Dumo, you need to have anarchy because you won't have that problem right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how they say it like yeah. when, we, when we go yeah. deep into how to yeah. how do we get represent how do we get taxpayers represented in um in, in politics or in wherever when you look at the practicality it becomes a problem and they say well that's why anarchy is the best yeah. way right. uh, but you know i i think yes if if the we need to have more smarter people i'm not saying that we're not smart enough maybe um, we're not looking at it the right way. I don't know. But there has to be some way in which a taxpayer has to have some say. Because yeah. it, it's, not, it, it's not fair. I mean, you know, like you, you saw with a Big Daddy Liberty when he went and out and he asked people about the prescribed assets mm. and the NHI. Is it fair for the government to just take, you know, your pensions or your taxes and what, what? And, 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 and use them in whatever way they yeah. want to. And, you know, many of the guys said no. Yeah. They, 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 they don't agree with that. Yeah. But what does the government do? They use the, the majority of people who are dependent on their services yeah. as a means to um, push their yeah. ideology. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I think for me that that's unfair because on one end you need votes to get representation in parliament, but at the same time you also need taxes. So you need tax revenue to implement these solutions that you're promising uh, your, your your voters, for promising to your yeah. voters. And I think for me that, you know, th that disconnect is quite obvious. Yeah. But I, I think personally that um, at some point it's going to be very large because they won't have enough money mm. to support these policies. And then when they don't have that money, what are they going to do? They're probably going to do what Zim did, print, print money. Print. Yeah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> That's the only way, yeah. <laughs> 
And then once they print it, what happens? Now the currency is worthless. But the trick, the trick about printing money is that it works for a while. Yeah. Like it can work for a few months, a few years, and then. But when it hits, like when the consequences fit through, that's when things get bad. Because like if you look at countries that have tried it, like you know Argentina, Zimbabwe, yeah. it it seems to work for a while, and everyone is happy. Even Venezuela, like everyone is like, okay, oh wow, when when the oil price was high, oh wow, like. Um, uh, Chavez is providing all of these good services to the people, education, health, blah, blah. And then the inflation came and it was like, yeah. And then it was hard to blame Chavez because when he was alive, it seemed, when he was alive, it seemed like things were going on. But he caused a problem. So this mm-hmm. is this is the tough thing because, you know, you might be the, the guy who's uh, using inflation to sort of uh, mollify the people that he needs to get on site to attain yeah. power. The, that guy... It can work for a while using inflation. Like if, if the Reserve Bank printed like 10 million rands tomorrow mm-hmm. and gave it to you, and then like it, it, there wouldn't be any negative consequences immediately. You could buy like, you know, things and mm-hmm. do whatever. But then they, over time, those things will feed in and it will add to the inflation rates and also raise interest rates for everyone. Yeah, so yeah. which, is, which is the side of it that people miss. Like this is, in, they don't understand the relationship between inflation and interest rates. Yeah. The more inflation you have, the more interest rate you have to have. Yeah. It's just as simple as that. Yeah. Because the, the what, what you what, what you are saying by printing money, which is which is the root cause of inflation, what you are saying is really like you're increasing the supply of money, mm-hmm. which means the price of money drops. Mm-hmm. In order to prevent against the price of money dropping, which means things become more and more expensive, you have to raise interest rates, which is the price of money. Yes. And so that's, that's, that's how you counteract the inflation. Okay. And so people miss this. They, they think that you can just have, you know, free money for nothing. It doesn't work like that. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, then even from a, a more simpler perspective, I mean, if, if people have more money for nothing, yeah. You know, it's you're gonna have a lot of money chasing too few goods, yeah, yeah. and then the guys that are supplying the goods and services won't be able to keep. Yeah. Well, it's not even that they won't be able to keep up. They'll say, "But wait, look, we got so many customers, and we're selling it for so much. I'm pretty sure that there are other people that we could be serving who are willing to pay more." Yeah. And then they just push up the price and they push it up, yeah. push it up, push it up. But then the money's becoming more and more worthless, yeah. and then the, 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 that becomes even a, a major challenge to to deal with over time. But that's the, that's the, that's the problem, you know. We got governments making bad decisions; yeah. they don't answer to anyone at all. Yeah, they don't listen to us. I mean, like there was even talk of a tax revolt because the government doesn't listen to us. But uh, it's not clear how we would do it practically in South Africa. But it's just the government just does whatever it wants, and then the people who vote for the government who don't have a stake really, who okay, who pay some vets. But they really don't pay like the significant taxes, like you know, income and corporate taxes, and so they, they have no stake in the economy. They have no stake in what happens. They can just vote, whatever, in in a way that what that feels good to them. Mm-hmm. That if you have a stake, you never vote according to your emotion. Yeah, you vote according according to your interest. But if you don't have a stake in what's happening, like if you don't own property, you don't uh, have a job, you don't have all of these things then it's very hard for you to vote rationally because you can be swayed by emotion. There's no stake yeah, to provide yeah. a discipline. There's no, uh, I think um, uh, Nicholas Taleb would, uh, would, would probably call it, there's no skin in the game. Yeah, there's no, there's no skin in the game. Yeah. And as a result of that, they make bad decisions. Yeah. And, and, and it seems, it's almost what, what Thomas Sowell was saying about welfare when he was saying that uh, 
how the he says usually this how the government will use welfare is that they will use it in such a way that they make people dependent on them mm. up to the point that they'll keep on voting for mm. them so they can secure their electoral future and um that is a that, that that's a that's a problem because now you got someone who um let's say has like four kids those kids need to be fed mm. the government's already giving them welfare and then what happens as a result is that now if someone comes along and says hey this welfare thing is causing damage to society mm. it needs to stop the person who's dependent on it will be like ah yeah yeah no 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 yeah. i'll vote for the guy who says i'm going to get more get more and it's and it's almost like this vicious cycle because at some point whether we like it or not and we're going to reach that point okay maybe mm-hmm. we won't i don't know but we we getting to that point where you know the the, the money that we are trying to use uh well that that's being used for welfare mm-hmm. um we're going to probably take out credit for that yeah and then eventually and then you know there's that period where you get that credit and everything's going fine and then the you know then the creditors start coming and saying listen um you know you need to start paying back well, it's, and then it's it's, it's already happening because yeah. Uh, the welfare budget, I think, is something like uh, 1.1 trillion rands, mm-hmm. and we just uh, we raise less than a trillion rands a year in taxes, and so this is uh, we're already funding this thing through uh, uh, through through loans. So it's that's depressing. That's uh, that's proper depressing. This is why the 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 interest that we have to pay uh, is is grow is the fastest growing item of the budget. The interest that you have to pay. Sure. Yeah, I think it's it's been increasing only it's an average an annual average of nine percent a year, which is like crazy. Sure. Like if you had an investment that was generating for you a guaranteed nine percent every year, you would think this is pretty good. Now, if mm-hmm. you look at on the other side, if you have a cost that's growing at a nine percent a year, then you would say this is a disaster. This is a catastrophe. So this is what's happening to government. Like they have to pay more and more to government. Above inflation, by the way, because inflation tends to be around five, six percent, whereas like this, um, the growth in government expenditure is much more than that. So this is, it, it, it's, it's obviously headed to disaster. But people are sort of ignoring it, pretending as if it won't happen, pretending that they can just steal pensions and everything will be fine. But they ignore the fact that once you steal steal people's pensions, then you will get less and less investment. Because institutional investors are the most are probably the most important investors yeah, in the yeah. economy. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Why would you want to put money exactly into a into a scheme where the government can just take yeah. whatever they want yeah. out of it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy. I mean, like, I, 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 I'm unaware that we're actually at that point. No. But yeah. so, it just seems from a political point of view, you just you just need to just hide it, and not you know inform the public about. Well, well, make sure that you know no one speaks about it. Or hope that people are dumb enough not to realize what's happening, because yeah. I, I see that's what is, I see that's the case. Because now we they're pushing for all these expensive policy, policies like the NHI, for mm-hmm. example, which is going to cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. When you saw Ramaphosa, he was where was he? Was in a, he was in a place in the Eastern Cape, and then apparently they opened a um, a clinic there, NHI clinic. Mm-hmm. And I, in my head, I'm like, that's not going to last for long. Yeah, I know. And like you know what. It, it looks good now. Well, the, according to the government costing, which was done in 2008 or 2009, around about there, they estimated it would cost something like 176 billion rands a year. And now, if you factor, if you, and so what, what uh, I, I think it was Africa Forum, what they did is just, they just added the inflation since that year to yeah. that amount. And they came up with the 440 something billion a year. 
And so if you just add the inflation of government's own cost estimates, which is bound to be on the lower bound yeah. of things because, you know, the incentives. So if you just add like that and you, you get to 440 billion and you think a year, and you think that this is probably going to cost much more because government, of course, when they do estimates, they tend to underestimate things. And so if you if you think about that, then you know that you know, the NHI is dead in the water, but they, don't, they won't accept it. It factor in the fact that we have people immigrating, emigrating from the country every year, millions of people leaving the country, or, or thousands, I'm not sure. But it factor in all of those things. That, like how, how are we going to make this work? The people who pay the, most of the taxes are leaving, the people who are supposed to be providing the services are leaving. The the taxes, the tax collections are declining. So how are we going to be paying for this? Exactly. No one knows. Yeah. No, no one knows. But maybe one day they'll figure it out. But we all know it's it's, it's dead in the water. Yeah. There, there's no way. Essentially, yeah, it's, it's dead unless they, they they think they fool us with inflation for a few years. They just print money, but then it's it will it, eventually it will end. Yeah. It won't last forever. Inflation like allows you a free lunch for a few a while, but eventually it catches up to yeah. you. Yeah. All right, Mpiake, Um, thanks for coming through, yeah. man. If people wanna know more about you, what can they do? How can they contact you? Anything like that? They can go to my website on mpiakelamini.com. So the lamini is D H L A M I N I dot com. So so mpiakelamini.com. and yeah, everything else is on that website. Like you know, Facebook, Twitter. My GitHub, my GitHub, my LinkedIn, everything is on there. All right. No, thanks for coming through. And, uh, thanks really for having me, man. It, man. Cool, cool. Sure. Cheers.